Mike. Lauren. Mike, how often do you get to say that you agree wholeheartedly with the Kardashians? Uh, Probably never. Close to never. Well, in this case, I think you might actually agree with them because I've heard you talking about your Instagram experience lately, and it seems like it's not very good. Right. It makes me deeply uncomfortable to open Instagram these days. Why is that? (laughs) Well, I'd love to tell you all about it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And I'm Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And we're joined this week by Wired senior writer Kate Nibbs, who's calling in from Chicago. Hey, Kate, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's always great to have you on. Okay, so today we're getting real, which is to say we're talking about reels, the TikTokification of Instagram. If you've spent any time on Instagram lately, you've probably found yourself in an endless feed of videos instead of photos, and those videos are known as reels. Sometimes they might even be reels from people you don't even follow. So what is happening to Instagram? The short answer is it's becoming a clone of TikTok. Instagram's parent company, Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, wants to be all things social media, which means it sometimes blatantly copies other popular apps like TikTok or Snapchat. Kate, you've had some thoughts about Reels. You're writing about it for Wired.com this week. Why is this happening? Well, the short answer of why it's happening is because Meta wants to survive and thrive, and the company thinks the best way to do so is to rip off TikTok. They do have like somewhat good reason for thinking this might be successful. If you remember, Instagram blatantly ripped off Snapchat, uh, in when it created stories and that feature ended up being a huge success. So I think that's the same thought process that's led us into this hellscape of reels. <laughs> the big difference here, which is what I'm writing about and what we're all annoyed about is that Reels is bad. Instagram Stories was a a superior version of Snapchat's uh, functionality, actually. Like, Instagram stole from Snapchat, but they made it better, and that's why people liked it. What's happening with Reels, and I I know that they're doing something similar on Facebook, but I honestly try to use Facebook as little as possible, so I'm not familiar with what they're doing over there, but Reels is an attempt to rip off TikTok to basically port over TikTok's functionality onto Instagram to convince people not to close the Instagram app and to open the TikTok app, but rather to just stay on Instagram. But like, that's not what's happening in reality. From from my point of view, anyways, what's happening is I'm opening Instagram and being angry about seeing all these videos I don't want to see and then closing it and going to TikTok and not even like really lingering on Instagram for the reasons that I thought I wanted to open Instagram, which was to see photos of my friends and family. Right. And that's actually Instagram's secret sauce, uh, you could argue, right? The the fact that there is this vast social network that everybody uses to share photos and sometimes short videos is totally unique. I mean, not totally unique, but you understand what I mean. Like, the, that's the reason people have Instagram on their phones is to look at the, the what their friends are doing and see photos and comment and, and all that. So wouldn't it make more sense for Instagram to lean in what they already know is their strong suit rather than copy 
the features of other platforms in an effort to chase growth that way. And also, this is why I don't work in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I think that makes the most sense. But yeah, we, I also don't work in Silicon Valley. Did Did you guys see the video, Adam Masseri, that Instagram had released in response to some of the criticism? Because it's really funny. He looks like he's being held hostage. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Instagram right now. We're experimenting with a number of different changes to the app. And so we're hearing a lot of concerns from all of you. So I wanted to take a few moments and clarify a few things. So I did see the video and we're, we should definitely talk about that. But maybe first tell us what happened with the Kardashians and how that led mm. to the video. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? How could I forget talking about the Kardashians? <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it was like Monday morning. I came out the gate hot and slack complaining about this. And then within a few hours, I realized that this was like the world's most unoriginal complaint because... Uh, Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, and apparently now Kourtney Kardashian and like a slew of other A-list celeb influencers, um, members of the Kardashian-Jenner industrial complex have all already been complaining about the fact that Instagram is ruining itself by trying to be TikTok. They were posting a meme that a photographer created that said, make Instagram Instagram again. And, um, so they sort of jump-started this very mainstream backlash to the redesign that I, I think had already been like percolating for a while since I was pissed off about it before I even saw that. And so there was enough high-profile people complaining, basically, that Meta must have panicked because they <laughs> appear to have held Adam Vasari at gunpoint and made him create this <laughs> video trying to convince us that actually it's really good that they've destroyed Instagram and made it a junkyard of, I think in my piece that I'm writing, I'm calling it like a video junkyard. Recommendations are posts in your feed from accounts that you do not follow. The idea is to help you discover new and interesting things on Instagram that you might not know even exist. Now, if you're seeing things in your feed that are recommendations that you're not interested in, that means that we're doing a bad job ranking and we need to improve. Like it's just a bunch of videos you don't really care about. Like I keep seeing, um, MLM content, which is really annoying. Hmm. It's, it's no that's good. Mul that's multi-level marketing. It's like, yes. the, you know, when people start selling skincare items and and like athleisure and Tupperware to each other on the internet. Yeah. Mm. Like, uh, but by I, acquiring the good themselves <laughs> and then reselling them, which is like a whole other podcast. Um, yes. And for those who aren't familiar, Adam Mosseri, he's kind of like the dad boss of Instagram, right? There are times when... Facebook slash Meta trots out Mark Zuckerberg for him to make some kind of video announcement or host a press briefing. And then there are times, and particularly around Instagram, when it falls to Adam Mosseri. And he often puts these videos on Twitter, the non-Meta social network. And he comes across as this pretty like affable sort of I'm going to like be straight with you kind of guy, except he's working for the machine that is Meta. Excellent summary. And yeah, I think it's so funny that he puts them on Twitter. I, I would love to hear the rationale behind that, but that's also probably a story for another podcast. So in the video, he's basically saying, I know there's some blowback, but listen, actually, we have the behind the scenes information. And from where we're sitting, you guys actually like video, even though you're saying you don't. Now, I want to be clear. We're going to continue to support photos. It's part of our heritage. You know, I love photos. I know a lot of you out there love photos too. That said, I need to be honest. 
I do believe that more and more of Instagram is gonna become video over time. We see this even if we change nothing. We see this even if you just look at chronological feed. If you look at what people share on Instagram, that's shifting more and more to videos over time. If you look at what people like and consume and view on Instagram, that's also shifting more and more to video over time, even when we stop changing anything. So we're gonna to have to lean into that shift while continuing to support photos. And that's the argument that he's taking is basically like, I know what you want actually, and the data implies that you want more video, which is just hard to believe. I hate video. I mean, I love video when it's on TikTok, but that's because the TikTok algorithm has crawled into my brain and knows too much and is serving exactly what I want. The meta world has never been good at serving video, I don't think. Yeah. And I think a big part of the backlash is that this move, this shift towards Reels content is going to coincide with a redesign of the feed in the app that's going to give you a full screen feed. So if you've ever tapped on a reel and then you just swipe up to go to the next one and up to go to the next one and up to go to the next one and it takes over your whole screen, that is what Instagram is going to look like for everything in the near future, right? Yeah, I think so. That's the yeah. plan anyways. Um, yeah. I, haven't, and I know some people are getting served that already as sort mm -hmm. of test subjects. I haven't actually gotten it yet, though. Have you? No, I think they probably have a special list of press people. They're just like, do not send the beta tests to them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if that's true. But. Absolutely. And in the video, Masseri also notes that it's a bad experience right now and that they're going to tweak it in the future, which I think is is good. Like, I appreciate the honesty. You know, that like, this is bad. We have to get it right. So we're just doing it for a small percentage of people now. Um, the other thing that he said in the video, which I thought was interesting, is that a lot of photo sharing has moved into stories, which I agree with. And I actually really like stories. I will sometimes just tap on stories and prop my phone up against my coffee and just watch stories while I eat my cereal in the morning. That's an adorable visual. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I like, uh, I like stories a lot too. I think they're really fun. They sort of Instagram for a while was moving into this zone where like you felt like all the stuff that you posted to the grid had to be very curated and stories were sort of in a way around that, a way to make it so like fun and ephemeral. And again, that is just straight up a Snapchat clone. Like they get zero points for originality with stories, but it's good and it rules and we all like it. So I do think, I do think that it's necessary, not necessarily the, the fact that they're stealing from another social network, although like morally, I don't approve of that as a consumer. I don't necessarily mind it if the execution is good. It's the execution that's a disaster with reels. Yeah, and I, I think the big reason that a lot of people feel that way is because stories is mostly like organic content or curated things from people that we have chosen to follow. Whereas reels is just viral bullshit that gets thrown at you because it's popular elsewhere or because the person has a million followers. And that leads to a very low quality experience, which makes you feel like you're just part of some anonymous audience instead of a circle of friends. I completely agree with that. I think we sort of all acknowledge that maybe our friends aren't always the funniest people in our feeds or like the most talented people in our feeds, but they're our friends and family and we love them dearly. So we want to see updates. And then it's like this other sort of realm of total strangers who also sometimes happen to have a viral hit or a shtick that we really go for. And that's what makes up 
reels. But those are two very different experiences, I think. The melding of them just feels very messy. Another thing that struck me about the video is that Museri said that Meta thinks this is the way the world is going and that therefore Instagram slash Meta must go along with it, as opposed to acknowledging that an entity as powerful as Meta actually drives a lot of that change. Yes. Like they develop the algorithms, and we're going to get into this in the second half of the show, that sort of tip us towards these behaviors and then they're like, well, this is just the way that people are behaving. So we're going along with it. It seems completely backwards. I agree. It seems like they're really downplaying their role in making the culture and attempting to argue that they're just following along with, with people's behavior online instead of acknowledging that they actively shape it. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and come back with more Real Talk. So right now, there's this giant competition for our eyeballs and our attention spans, which are a finite resource. And at this moment, TikTok is winning that game because TikTok is not only grabbing our attention, but also ad dollars. So we have a sense of why Meta is doing this with Reels, as explained by Kate in the first half of the show. But my next question is, will this actually work? We talked a little bit about how Meta is famous for copying some of these other social services. And in the past, they've been successful at doing that. But I'm curious whether you think this is going to work this time. I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. And that's our show, folks. Thanks very much. (laughs) I'm always so tentative about making predictions. I I don't think it's going to work. I do think that they're probably going to figure out how to pivot and continue to be a very dominant suite of social platforms. Like, I don't think that Reels sucking is a signal of Instagram's demise or anything like that. I do think it does point to the fact that TikTok is ascendant and maybe this era where Meta, I have trouble calling it Meta, I want to still call it Facebook, But fine, where Meta is like the number one, absolutely most dominant social network, maybe that that era is waning and this is an an indication. But no, I don't understand how this could work because it's just such an unpleasant experience. And I don't know. I don't know how they're going to fix it. I mean, unless I guess they could really tweak the algorithm to make it as uncanny and deviously good at its job as TikToks. But I feel like. It's hard to imagine TikTok having the downfall that Snap did uh, when when Instagram succeeded it. I know I'm kind of rambling here. I'm just not sure, but I don't think that these videos are going to become a success. (laughs) What do you think? Well, I think today's environment for social media is different, too. So five years ago, when Meta, back then Facebook, was copying stories or AR filters from Snap and implementing it into its platform. To your point, Kate, the experience was actually quite good. So that kept people in Instagram stories. But also just we had fewer demands on our attention spans. And over the past five years, that has changed dramatically. We are living through a pandemic. Our online consumption has gone up. There are multiple streaming services out there, not just, you know, like social sites, but Things like Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and all of the entertainment we could potentially consume. There's been the rise of TikTok, uh, which we led with. There's just a lot happening in general. And there's been some reporting done on the harms that social media 
is doing to us as a society that I think are, are pretty important. And so all of this combined, I think, makes me, at least as a consumer, a little less likely to just go with the flow in terms of changes happening on some of the biggest social media sites and actually take more stock into like, how much time do I want to spend on this versus another site? And I, I can't say that that's going to happen broadly across society, but it does feel like a different environment from five years ago when Facebook was like first just sort of borrowing or stealing all of these features. Yeah. I felt for a while that TikTok is not for me. Um, I'm I'm a, a middle-aged man. And when I open TikTok, it does not feel like my world. It feels like a world that is foreign to me because most of the people on there are younger. And yes, I know that there are a lot of content creators who are my age, but that's not what TikTok shows me. It shows me people who are half my age or younger, and a lot of those videos are overly sexualized. I'm seeing all of that same stuff in Instagram, so it's starting to make Instagram feel like it's not my world. Mm -hmm. I, my world is my friends, the people who I've chosen to follow. And I've decided to sort of take the control myself because there are things you can do in Instagram to make this change, to like resist this change, right? To push it into the background. For one thing, you can go into your settings and you can tell it not to show you reels that are recommended to you. It'll only show you reels from people you know. And in some cases, it will just completely deprioritize reels. That setting only lets you pause it for 30 days. So you still will begin to see reels again at some point. The other thing- you Why 30 days? I don't know. It's just, it's a dick move, but that's what they decided to do. <laughs> I want to see Adam Masseri do a video on why 30 days. They just want you to forget about it. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely it. And then it pushes it back to you. The other thing you can do is you can just tap on the Instagram logo at the top of your feed and switch to your following feed, which is great. I do that all the time. That just shows you a reverse chronological feed of the photos and the videos that the people that you follow are posting. It's not curated. There are no stories. It's just the stuff that your friends are posting to the grid. So that's another good one. Um, also, I just I use Instagram way less than I used to. I noticed I was blowing all kinds of time on Instagram, so I, I set a timer that only lets me use it for 15 minutes a day, and that has been a big move for my mental health. But I will say that you know this move into the TikTokification of Instagram, as we're all calling it, is just it makes it feel unfamiliar. It makes it feel foreign. It makes it makes it feel like an unwelcoming place for me. So I think if other people feel that way, they may start using the app less. I would not be surprised to see people say, Instagram has changed. It doesn't feel like it's for me anymore, so I'm going to start using it less. Kate, what do you think? Are you going to start using it less? Well, I actually have started using it less, and it's somewhat related to this shift. Um, it's I wrote about this a few weeks ago, but I've I've had to stop using it as much as I did because I keep getting served content about sick kids. And this is anecdotally, like, I don't think there's actually been a study on this, which would be interesting. But since I wrote about that, a lot of people who are new parents have reached out to me and said that the same thing has happened to them. So this is not, I know that this is an experience that a lot of new parents have. Basically, if you, if you indicate that you have a small child somewhere on your Instagram, you will almost certainly start seeing content from accounts of children with extreme illnesses or other like congenital conditions or who have died or who are dying. And it's like very heavy and upsetting and hard to deal with. And for like my own mental health, it's like 
there were so many times when my husband would find me crying and I'd have to explain that I was like really upset about this kid that I saw on Instagram that I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't go on using this app like this. And so that is why I've stepped back. But the reason why I am getting served that is tied into this TikTokification. It's because they're trying to serve you a lot more content from people you don't know in, in, in videos and I'm like, please stop showing this to me. Can I just see my friends and family? I like don't have the emotional fortitude to deal with this, honestly. Yeah. So (laughs) that's, that's like what happened with me and Instagram recently. Um, I I know that's, that this is something that is pretty commonplace, which is, I've got to imagine having some negative consequences for Facebook or for Instagram usage among new parents. I'm not sure though. What did Netta say in response to your story? They didn't say anything. Hmm. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This makes me think of Kyle Chayka's recent piece in The New Yorker about algorithmic anxiety, which is this idea that social networks have always claimed to show us things that we like, signals that we're sending to the social networks that we're into, things that, as he put it, things we might have organically gravitated towards ourselves. But then actually there's this entire ecosystem of content that's influencing us in ways we don't realize we are. So the things that we think we just naturally like might be things that are put into our faces. And that's not to say, Kate, that you liked what you were seeing. You actually intensely disliked it. But there was something about your account and your experience as a user and your experience as a new parent that Instagram suddenly started thinking this was like the right fit for you. And it was actually making you feel awful. I read that piece about algorithmic anxiety and I I was definitely thinking of my own recent experiences and and thinking that it it was encapsulating them in a way because from how I understand it, the reason that I'm seeing that is because I don't click away fast enough because it's really hard not to. And it's it's not that they, they don't really care whether I like something or not. It's whether I have an emotional response. So this is this somewhat predatory and discomforting uh, use of the algorithms to serve parents content that will like upset them enough that they don't swipe away. (laughs) And I guess it's working as far as we're not swiping away, but it's definitely not working in the sense that I don't, I'm scared to open Instagram because I don't know what I'm going to see. Right. So we're all going to quit Instagram, right? Is that where this is going? Uh, (laughs) I should. I mean, maybe. I can't. I can't quit you, Instagram. Um, my one like unquittable is Twitter. Sad to mm-hmm. say, it's just I love it. Sick, and I love it. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely opening Instagram a lot less, though. Seriously, because of this this tendency for Instagram to serve me things that upset me. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I've quit dating apps. That's a whole other podcast too. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Next week. Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, well, I guess what we're saying is that Adam Osseri, we call bullshit on mm-hmm. these changes. Uh, we are not nearly as powerful or influential as the Kardashian-Jenner industrial complex, as Kate called it. But we have a hard time believing that the majority of users actually want this real reels experience. And so we're urging for change. Mm-hmm. And, and on that note. And bring back Gotham. <laughs> oh, the filter. Yeah. I thought you were talking about this show with Ben McKenzie. I was like, that no. show was pretty good. Obviously, I'm talking about the uh, the black and white 
Instagram photo filter that I would never use if it was in there anyway. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take another quick break and come back with our recommendations. Kate, as our guest of honor, what is your recommendation this week? So my recommendation this week is a wonderful nonfiction book called The Value of a Whale. It's by an author named Adrian Buller, and it is uh, the subtitle is On the Illusions of Green Capitalism, and it is a really interesting, upsetting, but galvanizing look at why a lot of the attempts to sort of make green initiatives in, in the, the global corporate space are in some cases, like making climate change worse. So it's not an uplifting read, but I really think it's an important one and I want to recommend it. That sounds like a good one. Thank you, Kate, for the recommendation. Mike, what's yours? Uh, I'd like to recommend two things that have to do with the same topic this week. And that topic is the use of psychedelics in mental health therapy. The first of these is a Netflix series called How to Change Your Mind, which is hosted by Michael Pollan and based on his book of the same title from four years ago, which I recommended on this show four years ago when it came out. The book is about humanity's history with psychedelic substances and mind-altering substances, which goes back like 30, 40 centuries. The Netflix series takes some of that stuff from the book, but really concentrates on the use of substances such as LSD, mescaline, MDMA, and psilocybin in psychedelic therapies. So people using them to uh, help PTSD, to help anxiety, to help obsessive compulsive disorder, to help depression, uh, fear of death in cancer patients. It's really interesting. Uh, It's especially nice to see these things presented on the screen. Uh, I believe it was uh, executive produced or produced by Alex Gibney, the famous... um, documentarian, and Michael Pollan hosts it. So that's a really good one. The next thing I'm going to recommend is a story that ran on Wired this week, written by John Semley. It's called The High Stakes Race to Engineer New Psychedelic Drugs. And it focuses on a company called Compass Pathways, which is developing versions of those drugs that I mentioned, like LSD and psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. They are working on compounds that are a little bit different than the psychoactive drug that has been around for a while. So they're developing new compounds that they can then patent and put into trials and get approved for use in trials to treat those disorders that I just mentioned. So it's this race to like profit off of this groundbreaking work that is being done in psychedelic therapy in very controlled, very small studies, because these drugs are still illegal in most places in the United States, and they're still illegal federally. So it's very difficult to do these trials. But if they can get these drugs patented and go through FDA approval, then they stand to make a lot of money and hopefully you know, change a lot of people's lives. So it's obviously a very fraught uh, area in the pharmaceutical world, and there are a lot of people who don't like it, but this is the reality that we live in. And the story is fascinating, and Compass Pathways as a company is fascinating, and the main character in the story is also very fascinating. So those are my two recommendations. And bonus, if you read the Wired story, embedded in it is an interview that Wired did with Michael Pollan where he answers psychedelics questions from Twitter 
And it's very funny. Wow. This yeah. is like a psychedelic turducken. It's a trip, you might even say. But I'm fun. <laughs> hey now. And so you can't get these prescribed. Or you can. Because I, I'm pretty sure I know people who have gone through guided therapy sessions yeah. using some of these substances. Yep. Just like back in the day, you got to know a guy. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. All right. I'm going to check that. I've been wanting to watch How to Change Your Mind. So thank you. It's very good. I was pleasantly surprised by how good it was. Uh, what is your recommendation, Lauren? My recommendation is a two-parter as well. Um, and Boone, our excellent producer of the show, also concurred with me earlier. We both happened to see Nope, the new Jordan Peele film this weekend. It's spectacular. I highly recommend it. And before you go see it, you might want to check out our colleague Jason Parham's story, Nope, Rightly Challenges Our Love of Spectacle, which is his review of this film, which is a sci-fi supernatural western movie that is all about um our obsession in our culture with our 15 minutes of fame it's not all about that it's interesting you go into it thinking it's a it's a movie about a ufo but it's actually more about how people on earth on land are reacting to this strange shape-shifting entity in the sky and it just it says a lot about our relationship with fame, our 15 minutes of fame. It's it's sort of like not a movie about Hollywood, but it's a Hollywood adjacent movie. It's really good. Jordan Peele is obviously a phenomenal director. So check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Kate, have you seen it? No, I really want to. It's been like I haven't been to a movie in the theater since before the pandemic, you guys. Same. Because, yeah. I may never go back mainly, to the theater. I love going to the theater. It's just that like now I have now I have to deal with my baby. He's like not old enough to go to the movies and I don't I don't hire I don't know. I haven't been able to go, but I really want to. Well, I will say there's a certain joy in going to the movies by yourself if you ever mm -hmm. can. And so if uh, your partner Kate is ever like, "Hey, I'm going to take the babe for a couple hours." And you're like, "What should I do?" Go sit in the back of a dark theater for a while and just bliss out. I would love that. Yeah. I wish that for you. Thank you. I'm sending that your way. <laughs> all right. That's our show this week. Two weeks in a row talking about the all-powerful meta. What will we talk about next week, Mike? Well, WhatsApp. We're going to talk about WhatsApp next Probably. week. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, thanks so much for joining us again. It's always a delight having you on. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Our producer is the excellent Boone Ashworth. We'll be back next week. And goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.